0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the PBN Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Lockie. I'm really happy to introduce you to the exceptionally talented Ella Mills, also known as Deliciously Ella. Ella is an entrepreneur, a gifted cook, a deli owner, a New York Times bestselling author, and she also runs a highly successful mobile app that has shot to number one in the food and drinks section of the UK App Store thank you for joining us.
1: My pleasure.
0: So before we begin I'd like to ask our guests how they got involved in the plant-based world and the vegan world how did you how did you discover it?
1: Yeah well I guess quite similarly to you actually Um, initially quite accidentally never with the intention of a definition of plant-based or vegan or any of the rest of it and honestly with very little understanding of that space as it was in fact probably actually the opposite almost, a really negative preconception of that kind of space and an assumption that I'd never want to be part of that kind of thing. And um, then in 2011, I got really sick and um i got ill with a condition that affected my autonomic nervous system and i couldn't control my heart rate properly my blood pressure my digestive system i had chronic headaches i had chronic fatigue i had so many pains aches i was on antibiotics for two and a half years for these secondary infections i was then diagnosed with something called mast cell activation disorder where you're basically having allergic reactions to everything you're not allergic to because your body thinks you're allergic to it and it was just an absolute nightmare and I was 21 and I'm taking steroids and all these drugs and I'm basically spending all my time in bed, I'm a million miles away from where I ever thought I would be and at a certain point I just kind of about a year in I hit a real rock bottom with my mental health as well as my physical health and I was had that kind of I guess that honest conversation with myself for the first time since I got ill which was the drugs aren't working, you can't do anything you're miserable beyond miserable, you've got no motivation, no excitement, no joy for life, I didn't feel like myself, if I continued on that current trajectory, like, I'd never have a job, I'd never move out of home, you know, I was like, how am I ever going to, you know, marry anyone, I'm not going to have a relationship, I can't do anything, and so I thought, okay, something's got to change, and I'd taken all the drugs that I could take that were available for what was going on, and they, for me, hadn't worked, and so there's... I thought okay well there's got to be something else so I went online and I found all these people who'd used all different elements of diet and lifestyle to change elements and some had cured some had managed you know to varying degrees but all much more successful than what I'd found so far different illnesses and I thought okay that's really interesting if that worked for them maybe that could work for me to be honest at this point I haven't I don't have anything to lose in trying it um but I couldn't cook and as I said, I actually had a really kind of negative preconception of healthy food, of plant-based food, of vegetables, of kind of that classic like broccoli is boring. And so I thought, okay, I'm, I need to change that. I need to because I really believe from day one, you know, if I, I want, I was like, I'm going to change the way I eat. And I didn't ever realize I'd fall so in love with it that it would be a forever thing. But I was assuming it was going to be for the next, you know, two, three, four years. So if I was going to do it for that long, you know, thousand days, I was going to have to love it. So it was gonna to have to be delicious. And um that was what was gonna be the core of what I was doing. And that's where delicious yellow came from, is that overnight I started a blog and I thought okay I'm going to teach myself to cook and I absolutely fell in love with it in a way that I just didn't expect to at all I realized all those negative preconceptions that I had that it was bland that it was boring that it was rabbit food that it was unsatisfying that it was all the rest of it weren't true at all obviously it depends what you make if you just eat a bowl of lettuce with grated carrot that's vegan that's plant-based that's boring (laughs) But there were all these amazing things you could do, sorting spices and red onion and garlic and simmering it with coconut milk and adding amazing veggies and like doing it with sesame rice, doing apple crumbles, you know, all the time. And it was just like realizing there were so many delicious things. And I felt. I mean, it took me like three or four years to completely stabilize, but I increasingly felt better and better and better. And I now have more energy. I feel better. I feel more kind of awake, alert, excited than I ever, ever, ever have. And I see the difference so much when I eat really well, I feel my absolute best version of myself.
0: And how did your family respond to the you changing to eat in this way? Because obviously Mm. you're you're from, you're born in England. meat and two veg is a very traditional thing. Um, Did your family think you were crazy? Yes,
1: yeah, 100%. Um, So my mum is amazing. And my mum's always been quite holistic. Um, You know, she, like, we don't want to sound like a terrible mum, but we never went to the doctor as kids, you know, you had to be really, really ill. You know, she really didn't want us to take antibiotics. You know, she, she never takes like paracetamol or anything like that. And she slipped a disc and she didn't take any meds for like three months. And then we were like, something is wrong with you. <laughs> you need to go to the doctor. And she went to the doctor and said, like, oh, I've slipped a disc, I should take some meds like, So she's always taken that kind of very relaxed and always wanted that kind of alternative side of things. And so I started talking to her about this and she was like, that's really interesting. I'll do it with you and support you in it. I don't think she was kind of thinking she would fall in love with it in the way that she has. She became a vegetarian and kind of completely transformed. But she was really supportive. But I, I think everyone else just thought, "What?" I mean, the main question was, what are you going to eat? And obviously this this kind of thought process around healthy food, vegetarian food, plant-based food, vegan food, whatever we want to call it, has changed so much, especially in the last two years. But, you know, kind of going back seven years or so ago, and I'm sure you found the same thing, it was still very foreign and alien. And as you said, it's like really not part of a kind of British culture of, of way of eating. And so I think there was literally an assumption of like, but what can you eat? What falls into that category? And um, But then the way I kind of got around it was not in ever saying to people, oh, did you know, you know, you need this vitamin or this mineral for this process and blah, 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 because I was like, that's not going to get people on board. I was like, I would just invite my friends and family over and I would cook for them a lot. And I would never say, this is vegan, this is this, this is that. I would just say, Talk about the process in which, like, you know, sauteing this and simmering that and roasting this and kind of just really playing up all the flavors and doing really kind of hearty things and, you know, filling delicious, warming things, sticking away from that kind of salad just because that's what people expected and showing people that actually these preconceptions were so wrong. And it was so, so, so effective. And I always say that to everyone. Like, if you want to get people on this journey with you and not they have to commit to it 100%, but if you want them to enjoy this stuff, start just cooking for them, start just sharing the food, leave all the words out of it and just try it. Just like have that physical experience.
0: Because people are afraid of change. Totally. They're afraid of um, their traditional meals and their times with family being different because they've always had and eaten things in a certain way. So they're worried that it's all going to be different and they're not going to have those breakfasts with grandma or the dinners with dad. Um, were you always so, you said that you couldn't cook before and obviously looking at your brand now and looking at who you are as a person, you're incredibly creative, bright and colourful. Were you always like that? Did you always have that creative streak?
1: Yes, I've always, as a kind of, in my personality, I've always liked doing things differently. I've always been kind of really happy to kind of not follow the crowd and try new things and do what I want to do. And I've always really enjoyed kind of anything creative and haven't, I guess, ever felt a block because I I guess I feel confident to try new things in that sense. And so, but it definitely took time to start making things that I thought tasted. What were some of
0: your worst meals? Do you remember any of your beginning? Well, I think
1: one of the worst things was like I had no idea about plant-based milks and things like that. It was literally just like on week one, you know, obviously you learn those sorts of things pretty quickly. But, you know, it just wasn't all the hype around it. They weren't really very available. I was living in a small town in Scotland as well. So really not vegan friendly at all and so i remember trying to make porridge and it was just oats and water it's just like it tastes like gruel you know it's really (laughs) gross and i was i said didn't really like veggies so i would just like get a courgette a pepper some tomatoes and just like mush it until it kind of looked like some sort of sauce and stir it through pasta and it was just it was just really bland and lacking that kind of sense of excitement around meals and i realized that yeah sure i was eating more veg but like. I was only going to last a few more days unless i kind of gave it that oomph that sense of deliciousness and i don't know what you found when you changed the way you ate but i found that that now is like the most amazing amount of resources available but when i was looking because i never would have started delicious yellow if i'd found it if i'd found what i really needed but i found when i was looking for these kind of recipes it was either of modern vegetarian where it was still a lot of like phyllo pastry and, and cheese and things like that and for me i was really looking to eat really healthily really whole foods and you know rooting in plants in like fruit and veg and so i wasn't really looking for that kind of stuff or it was a kind of obviously because it's a bigger trend in la and things at that point california and it was kind of like dehydrated this and sprouted that and it was like okay amazing and i bet it was so delicious but i was like I was living in a student house in Scotland, it was freezing cold in the middle of winter, and I was like, I'm not gonna sprout a cracker for 18 hours for my (laughs) dinner, you know? It's just like, sure, it's delicious, but it's just not quite right for me. Didn't have a dehydrator obviously or anything like that. And then there was the more kind of, I guess, traditional vegan space where it was more focused, I think at this point, on the ethics of veganism. And so it was a lot of like meat alternatives and like vegan sausages and vegan mints and focusing on that sort of thing. And again, because I was coming at this space from a health perspective, it again wasn't quite right. And so I think it it just took some time to start kind of playing around in the kitchen and just finding the combinations that worked in a way of taking these really simple things like a sweet potato and a lentil and turning it into something really exciting. Mm.
0: Sounds delicious, you've come a long way. <laughs> um, now obviously touching a little bit on vegan and veganism, mm. seven years seven years ago, yeah, um, you emerged into this plant-based slash vegan world. Uh, did you get involved at all in the kind of vegan movement or anything to do with animals or was that something that you f- felt connected to at all?
1: Do you know what? that? I have to be completely honest and say that came later for me. Um, it really started from a health perspective and then, and this seems to be like, the, there's kind of three roots in it feels like to this space. It's health, it's ethics and it's um, the environment. And it feels like people come at it from one side and then learn about the other two. And for me it really came from health. And then the more I started to feel excited about this space and feel passionate about this space, the more obviously you start to learn and you start to, you know, people start sharing resources with you. And the more I started to then learn about agriculture and about farming and about the environment. And I guess it just kind of completely confirmed the decision I'd made to live this lifestyle mm-hmm.
0: and when it comes to like the word vegan obviously we've talked a bit about it and you probably talked about it with friends mm-hmm. and family the word vegan has a lot of connotations attached to it yeah um you know you are now a brand you're also a company as well um how do you feel like the word vegan has kind of been hijacked by uh, people who of communicate in a way that's not necessarily effective choosing my words very carefully (laughs) yeah
1: do you know what it's so interesting like i think i've learned a lot about the power of words um through the conversations around veganism actually and um i don't know i've just found it really fascinating i think for me the reason that plant-based resonates more is that I feel really passionately, whether it is for any of those three reasons, ethics, environment, health, or any other reason, more is better than none. And the way we can get everyone doing more is by making it inclusive. And I think, I don't know, I guess I've seen with friends and family, like people come to this in their own time. You know, all these people thought I was insane when I first started doing it, and then I'd cook for them, they'd enjoy it. You know, so this is seven years ago now, You know, my brother was like, what are you doing? Like, what? And, you know, and now him and his wife, when they're at home, they only eat vegan. They, in the last six months, and they're really passionate about that. And then every now and again, they go out for dinner. They'll maybe be vegetarian, they'll maybe pescatarian, they'll try something, but they are now, I'd say like 80% vegan and they've come to that over the last seven years as a gradual process they've learned more they've realized how good it can taste you know they sent a picture last night of this amazing pasta they'd made and they were like they, they're real they love cooking they would made this fresh pasta and done this amazing like I think using like one of the Oatly crème freshers or like anyway and they was so excited about it it was just really cool to see and I guess that For example, to me is a really good, good indicator of how important it is to make this space feel it's available for everyone. And to me, if the biggest meat eater in the whole wide world makes one of our recipes, that is the biggest sign of success to me, because that's showing someone who maybe doesn't eat this kind of thing, and we quite need them to, because it's important for human health, for the health of the planet. You know, only 27% of the UK eat their fibre day, so it's got to change. We've got to get people doing this. And I think as soon as you put up the barrier, saying it's all or nothing, you know, throw out half your wardrobe, you know, never do this again, never do that again. You know, I met someone the other day and they were like, oh my God, how could you ever even date a meat eater and They're talking to someone else? And I was like, gosh, that's really interesting perspective. And I, and I understand where it comes from, but it, to me, it kind of, it pushes people away rather than invites people in. And I so respect people for really, really strong... Opinions, and especially when it comes to things like ethics, and it's not a judgment of that, it's just that I think most people need time to come to that opinion themselves. And ultimately, it's like anything, you know, it's like stopping smoking or starting going to the gym or, you know, making a change in your life. It can only come from you and your motivation and your why and your why is going to be a bit different to my why to the next person's why and I think you've got to find a way to internalize that and I think that's what sometimes I think goes wrong with the word vegan is it can feel all or nothing and I think that can feel kind of restrictive and, and make people feel nervous and therefore make people feel like they can't do it, where in reality they could start Meat Free Monday, you could start this change, you could start that change, and over time, maybe it's seven years, maybe it's ten years, maybe you're going to get you know, to 80% vegan. And to me, if the world could become 80% vegan over the next decade, that would be a lot more successful than 5% of people becoming fully
0: vegan. Mm, it just makes sense. And that's the thing, like, people are more likely to stick with this lifestyle if they come to it in their own time, yeah. and we don't force them, and we can't hold a gun to people's heads really, can we? We have to show people how delicious, how tasty, how affordable, how you know, effective it can be, especially for our health. Now, obviously, you know, vegan, what it is today, isn't what it was seven years ago. It's changing. Yeah. Um, thanks to people like you who are making vegan food and, like, ready-made meals and stuff, delicious and available and easy for people to get. Everyone's jumping on board with the word vegan now. All the main supermarkets have got their own vegan ranges yeah. or at least have a vegan aisle or something. So vegan has become mainstream. Really, it yeah. used to be, as I always say, tr- tree hugging, crock wearing. Totally. <laughs> Shout out to the crock wearers, <laughs> you know. So it was a bit of a, um, a hippie thing that, that you would. Did, most people didn't see themselves ever doing. Now it's become sexy, cool, hip. You go on Instagram, you type in the word vegan, and you get hundreds of thousands of yeah. recipes um and people of all different shapes and sizes. Do you feel less um with them because obviously some of your brands which are sitting behind you in the in the place in the room that we're sitting in has vegan on it now. Um has your brand's attitude towards using the word vegan changed over the last few years?
1: Yeah, so we say vegan friendly, which is our I guess our way of kind of it's important obviously like to clarify it for people, but at the same time again it's the friendly, it's like you don't We're friendly to everyone, you know, and it's really important to me. But yeah, I think, and I know some people aren't happy about the kind of, I guess, commoditization of the word, but to me it's, you know, ultimately what we should all care about is people doing better things for their own health and doing better things for the health of the planet and the health of animals. And so ultimately, I don't think it matters what way you come at it. And I think this way of normalizing the word, of making the word more accepted, of more visible, people more aware of it, easier to do, is ultimately a really, really good thing and I don't I think we can kinda of all share in it. And I, I think it's a shame to kind of take such ownership of it and say, Well you can only use you know, I think you see that sometimes it's like, Well you can't say it's vegan this if you then do that and it's like no, you know, it's it's gotta be more available than yeah. that.
0: Because Unfortunately, there are still people out there who see the word vegan and go, well, I'm not a vegan, I can't eat that. Exactly. And they get confused and the consumer needs to have things explained. That's why packaging and brand is so important. I used to be a brand designer. That's what I did before. I started plant-based news with my friend Klaus. And you know, my whole passion is communication. We have to keep things super simple for people, don't overcomplicate things. That's why the vegan message, for me, needs to be simple and not overcomplicated. I always say to people, do as much as you can do, be as vegan as you can be, or vegan-ish, uh, as they say. Yeah. Um, because we're not forcing people. Yes, there are people within our movement, in the vegan movement, who would like you to be 100% at all times and never falter, but that's not real- realistic for most people. A lot of people struggle to get food on the table, in this country, there's a lot of poverty. In this country, are we expecting everyone to just only have access to fruit and vegetables at all times? In the U.S., where there are food deserts, it's really hard for people to get access to fresh fruit and vegetables. They walk to the local supermarket, and everything is processed. Yeah, it has milk in it. It has egg. It has, you know. Not an ounce of health. <laughs> it's yeah, it's cheap, so it's not realistic for us to demand that everyone is a hundred percent vegan at all at all times. We just want people to be aware and to be conscious.
1: Totally, exactly, and just do more. Like I think like the word "more" is so nice, and I think it's so important not to be judgmental of other people's decisions because there's a reason they're making those decisions, and all we can do is be open to people when they're interested in what we do, and when they're not say so that's absolutely fine, we completely accept that.
0: Because not everyone can change overnight. There's a, there are a lot of people who say, you know, baby steps is not acceptable, the animals are suffering, the factory farms are these ab- abominations, why are we supporting these things? There is a middle ground. We're not asking people to support factory farming, but there are places where people are starting to, the opportunities where people are consuming less and less meat, the whole flexitarian movement is a group of people, 23 million plus people in the UK, who are moving towards less meat. Um, my opinion is flexitarianism is on the road to veganville. <laughs> oh my
1: gosh, a thousand percent. And I think most people need that road in between. And I know I would have. For me, I came at this from a really desperate place. Like I was so sick. Yeah, I hadn't done anything for like eighteen months. I was so scared that I'd never be able to like really do anything again. and I was just absolutely desperate. And so for me, I don't know if making small changes would have really made, made a big difference, a big difference to my health. So I was like, look, I'm gonna just try this, I'm going fully into it, I'm completely committed. And I had such a strong motivation. Every time I thought, God, this is really, really hard. I'd think, no, because yesterday you were able to get out of bed and you weren't able to do that two months ago, so keep going, this is so good. But if you don't have that really strong impetus in you, you just you'll learn a little bit every day or try something new every day and going along that road will then take you to the next path possibly and that's a really 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 good thing and i just feel like i don't know you always it's like anything isn't it it's well it's probably not the right expression for this but like you attract more um wasps with honey than you do with vinegar
0: yeah we call it attractivism yeah. you heard of that attractivism no, but it's great so, so attractivism is you know using activism but being uh, leading by example showing people being the vegan that you want other people to meet you know because and that's what I do like I, I used to be ashamed of saying vegan or calling myself vegan because I didn't want people to judge me yeah. now I'm like you know what? I'm a vegan and I'm going to project what I believe a good vegan is as a person who's compassionate who's, who listens who meets people where they're at who doesn't judge people who understands where people are in their lives and helps them and supports them, sends them recipes, encourages them to try new things, uh, tells them about a new restaurant that's opened up in their city, rather than, like you said, hammering them about this point and that point and this fact and that fact.
1: Exactly. This is scary.
0: It is scary. Um, Changing track a bit, going on to kind of like the world and the media and the influence that you've had as a person. Your seven years in this shall I say, crazy ride, I'm sure, yeah. that you've had, you've, you've experienced all kinds of things. You've uh, done books, you've got a wonderful products, um, you've got a, a cafe and restaurant, yeah. uh, which is wonderful, I've been. Oh, thank you. Um, and, but when it comes to being an influencer, being a person of public um, standing, you come under very heavy criticism, also praise as well, but the criticism often is what stands out in our minds. Um, you know we, we do our best work and we do our best to, to be good people but there are always people out there who are not happy with something that we're doing now there was a few years ago that the whole clean eating revolution exploded um, and do you want to talk a bit about how that affected you as a person as a brand
1: yeah it's a really interesting experience it was three i think it was three januaries ago two januaries ago i can't remember now um and yeah, I think there was a, there was a real backlash against healthy eating, and it was interesting. I, like, you know, we've never just kind of like what we've just been talking about. Like we never really use the word clean because to me i don't think there's really a huge amount wrong with it but the problem you always see with it is that we have this desire to put stuff into a bucket we love rules and regulations That's why we love like the atkins diet the Dukan diet you know whatever the next diet is it explodes because we're all looking for rules to live by and i think you know the reason that word people didn't like was it implies it's good or bad and again it comes back to all or nothing and as we were just talking about all or nothing is a t- difficult approach because ultimately it's difficult to make it stick but there was this kind of real backlash against healthy eating, and like healthy eating was the worst thing that's ever taken place in the world. And it got very, very personal. One thing that I really do know was kind of always been nervous talking about, but I can't help but say it's very interesting is the only people criticized were women only young women, no men who work in the space were included in any of the press, which is very, very interesting. Like for Delicious Yellow, we've never talked about weight loss, Mm -hmm. never shared a like before and after picture. That's not what we're about. We're about like, make this pasta. It's so delicious. We love pesto. And so it, it was really interesting experience, but what was so interesting, and I guess the bit that really riled me up was, yes, you've got to do what suits you yes there's no one way of doing it and that's really important to remember but and it is quite a big but we desperately need to change the way that we eat in the west and in the uk like as i said 27 percent of the uk is getting their five a day so it's about one in four adults and it's about one in five kids so and now we're into eating our 10 a day so we're a long way away from where we need to be and we know there's such interesting evidence between that and lowering risk of strokes of diabetes of heart disease of certain cancers like it's really powerful and we're in a world where, you know, the NHS has the longest waitlist it's had in 10 years. Like, we're a very sick society and we're not focusing on prevention. And we need to be eating our vegetables for prevention. And, you know, likewise, like, you're meant to be having about 30 plus grams of fibre a day. The average is between 17 and 19 grams in the UK. That's barely more than 50%. And again, we know how important fibre is. Like, fibre is the gut's favourite food. The gut is directly linked to the brain. Like not just your physical health yeah exactly and you know you've got the gut brain axis and like it's so interesting and you know so it's like it's not just even your physical health it's your mental health and you know we know mental health is not in a good place in our country at the moment and it's like it seems so insane to me that we desperately need to make broccoli cool and lentils cool and get people wanting to make these kinds of things not saying that they have to then demonize pizza, and pizza is not cool, but broccoli needs to be as cool as pizza. And if pizza's here, broccoli is like all the way down here at the moment. And what was frustrating was that when the media come out and they criticize all these things so much, showing them to be so binary, it just makes people turn the other way. And I find that really irresponsible because it feels really, really important that we eat better. And that's not to say, as we were just saying, you need to eat better all the time or you need to be committing to giving yourself a label or doing this, that or the next thing. But we do need more broccoli, we do need more lentils, we do need more chickpeas, more spinach, more kale, all the rest of it. And we're not eating those sorts of things. So we've got to encourage people to do it. And I think discouraging people in that kind of way feels so interesting. And it it was so obvious that people were really uncomfortable with the status quo changing and that that kind of, I guess, threatened sort of traditional cultures and beliefs and ideas and and kind of societal norms and you know look where we are you know a few years on from that and it's become even more normal than it was then so it didn't work but it is I just it just feels a shame and I read something in the paper this weekend again about how you know like veganism's a waste of time because you'd have to not eat meat for 10 years to save emissions from one transatlantic flight and it was like that's the most unhelpful, quite frankly stupid argument I've ever heard in my whole life because you're comparing one person to a plane of 500 people and that's just, that that doesn't add up and it's like you know the transport industry has less emissions of greenhouse gases than the agricultural industry and the primary part of that comes from meat and dairy and it's like, sorry but stop turning people off things that matter you don't want to do it, don't do it, that's fine, again no one's making you do it but stop discouraging other people from do it doing it and just or doing it a little bit and it's like writing something like that when we're at a point where scientists are saying we've got 12 years to stop climate breakdown just seems really really selfish and really counterproductive
0: it's highly irresponsible and i think this is how a lot of journalists operate they're certainly not being constructive in the way they kind of promulgate this message. But I think, you know, a lot of people say that the animal agriculture industry directly funds the media because all the ads and the, the content that you see in a lot of these magazines and newspapers, it's all got animal products in it. So if you took the animal products out of the picture, a lot of the media would lose huge amounts of advertising revenue. So it's not very difficult to kind of join the dots and follow the money to figure out why this message is being pushed and why this, some of these journalists keep trying to encourage this narrative often also I think a lot of these people are just ignorant or they like to just stick with the status quo because they have their bacon butty in the morning and they don't want to change.
1: Exactly and I think that's the thing is that's fine you don't have to change and no one's saying you have to change but don't discourage other people from changing and I think that's the bit that feels the shame to me is you I, I just think you do you you know whatever you want to do great good for you but I don't think you need to share that sense of kind of negativity with the world and someone listening to this might be like well you share your opinions with the world (laughs) and that's valid but I guess I hope we do it in a kind of friendlier way.
0: Yeah definitely and I think that's 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 why journalism and the media has such power doesn't it and this is one of the reasons why we started plant-based news because we felt so outraged by these articles and this, this content that goes out that encourages people to eat more butter, that cheese is going to save your heart. And then you go and look at these studies and you read down the bottom and it says, funded by an unlimited grant by the dairy industry of Southern Australia or something. Yeah. And you think most people are not going to bother to read that study. That's the
1: thing I think is, it's challenging from a consumer's perspective because the information is so blurry. It's so confusing. Like distilling down what you read, into your life is difficult and that's where again it comes back to like you've got to do what works for you and what's reasonable manageable for your life
0: who do we trust that's the question but
1: yourself honestly like how this is what i always say to people it's like how do you feel like if you next week just said okay i'm just for the next seven days i'm just gonna eat a lot better i'm gonna try and eat not so much processed foods and, you know, I'm going to eat fresh food. So I'm going to try and stay away from additives and flavorings and things like that. And I'm going to cook lots and I'm going to have lots of green veg and I'm going to try and get my five to seven to eight, ten a day. And I'm just going to see how I feel at the end of that week. And I was just and then maybe you're going to do it for a month. And I would just be so surprised if after a month you said, I feel so much worse. Like All that fresh food, that exercise, that sleeping better. Terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible. But if you do, then change it. Yeah. And that's like, like ultimately like your body is the best guide of anything in the whole world.
0: What do we say to people that say, oh, being, being vegan is so expensive?
1: Do you know, and I think it's it's a really valid point, and I think it comes into that conversation, I think it happened a lot in the media, is there was, when, kind of, veganism, plant-based, like vegetarian, whatever, became more mainstream, I think it happened at the same time as, like, healthy food exploding, and there was a lot, again, just coming back to, like, lots of things is always kind of sensationalised, and so there's a lot of focus on superfoods and things like that, and those are expensive, those aren't easy to get hold of, and I think that, again, created a preconception, in order to be healthy you've got to have adaptogenic mushroom lattes or you know whatever else it is and it's like no cook lentils cook carrots cook potatoes you know all those sorts of ingredients can be really inexpensive you can do like a five bean chili for very little at home you know those you know a dal um you know all those sorts of things you can make a big batch for very very little with very simple everyday ingredients herbs spices you know, veg like potatoes, carrots, sweet potatoes, and then you know your lentils, chickpeas, etc. Tinned tomatoes, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah,
0: Dr. Greger uh, yeah. on nutritionfacts.org org has something which he calls the daily dozen, which he yes. says these are the daily dozen things that you should get into your diet. When you look at that and you go into a supermarket, they're very, very inexpensive. They're not expensive products at all. Yeah. you don't have to go and buy organic fruits and vegetables.
1: Totally, and it's like you'd net like if you go and pick up a pack of dried lentils. You're never gonna be like, oh my gosh, these lentils, are so expensive. They're, they're not expensive at all in your bag like this, it's gonna make you a vat of lentils. Like, you're gonna have so many lentils. And so again, I think it's like, yeah, there's stuff you can make that's expensive, for sure, 100%. But there's a lot of stuff, like your everyday stuff that you can make that's not expensive, like porridges, like stews, like soups, like curries, like dolls. And so, just start with those.
0: And tell us about how you teach people how to cook in this way. Because you've got books, you were on Instagram, on social media. Tell us about the experience of using social media as a way to share share what you care about.
1: For us, it's all just about focusing on flavour. Everything comes back to flavour, and that's what we talk about. It's like what the ingredients are, like just trying to, you know, sell the deliciousness of it because that to me is what converts people because they look at it and they're like i want that bowl of pasta and they don't even realize that it's veggie they have no idea and that i guess to me is where success lies because they're really excited about it and ultimately again i think that excitement is absolutely imperative for getting people to want to do it and slowly changing people's minds and of our audience very very few are actually completely vegan or completely plant-based or even completely vegetarian. Most people are flexitarian. And so if we can just give them an inspiration for dinner, something that looks amazing, then, That's the dream.
0: Mm, Amazing. Obviously, you've got your own brand now and your own business. You've got a team. What does it feel like seven years later? (laughs) How does it feel to be in this position?
1: Surprising. I think, honestly, really surprising. Well, for a million and one reasons. And I always say this, and people are like, no, 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 you're being so self deprecating. But I did an interview with my mum the other day, and she said it at the interview, and I was like, right, got it in writing. But like, I'm one of four kids, and if if someone said to my mum, like, oh, which of your kids is gonna start a successful business, she would have put all three and then probably not said my name. So I think there's been something surprising about that. And I think it's just because I found something I care about so much and like I don't know, I think to me the why, like my our why is like, we want to make vegetables cool. And that matters to me so much. Uh, that like it just drives you so hard to want to do more and more and more and more and more. And get you so excited about it. And I think that's been the key, really, to our success. Um, but yeah, I think genuinely just surprising. But also because when I started this, as you know, as you said, like, what did your friends and family think? Because this was a weird space. Like, you know, no one was gonna start like a vegan brand seven years ago, thinking it was gonna be like the hot thing. You know, people, I remember like making my green smoothies and I'm like, I really love my smoothies. It's just such an easy way to get get towards your dinner day. And, people just being like, oh my God, it looks like you're drinking a swamp. Like, what is that? You know, just so sceptical. And it was not cool at all. And so again, to see the change in, like, ideas around the space and to see people's minds change to the point that this is so mainstream, I guess that's the other massive surprise.
0: And how does it feel, obviously, seven years later? And it's everywhere now. Yeah. It's completely exploded. Partly thanks to you and, and the work that you're doing. Do you feel... That all that energy and effort that you put into it, you can say to your friends and family, You see, I told you so.
1: Yeah, there is something cool to be like, right, I'm not crazy. You you know, you're hearing your story about like how much it helped your health. You know, every time you meet someone or every time you get a message from someone that's like, This has really had an amazing impact on my life. It's just it's so exciting. And I guess it gets at just each story, sure it's anecdotal, and I appreciate that. But it adds up to a picture, you know, where it's like more and more and more people just feel so much better. And that's really, really powerful.
0: And your brands, you run with your husband, I do. Matt.
1: Yeah, I do. We run it together. We started working together just over three years ago.
0: And what's it like?
1: <laughs> Everyone always wonders <laughs> that, so I wouldn't have it any other way. I love it. I think the reason it works for us is that we're really different. Mm-hmm. Um, We're very passionate about the big picture, and I love having someone that I feel I'm like really in this with because there are times where it's tough and times where you're like, I don't know how we're going to keep the lights on in the office, how we're going to pay the bills at the end of the month, times where you're thinking, Oh my gosh, what have we done? And you know, we like, I love it, and I wouldn't have any other day other way, but we do work 365 days a year, like even on customers. Like, you can't ever turn your phone off, you can't ever actually turn it off. Like, you have, yeah, (laughs) it's such a responsibility. And so I think having, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but I think having a partner to be in that with is really nice. You feel that constant sense of support, but what we do is so different and what we want to do is so different. I love the brand side. I love the community. I run all our social media. I love, like, obviously the recipes, the food, the colour, the just engagement with people. I love getting people excited about this, whatever medium that comes from. So I oversee anything brand-related or creative within what we do. Matt loves a spreadsheet, he just (laughs) loves it. I hate a spreadsheet. And so it works well because he loves working on strategy, on business development, on operations, on supply chain, on all the stuff that I think is really boring. Um, So that does work. It does work really well
0: yeah we're the same Klaus and I balance each other out really, yeah. really nicely um, you know we have the same situation where we work really hard we work every day Monday to Sunday yeah. and there are days where we think are we going in the right direction we're, we're just about to expand our team we're looking for investment and we're kind of like growing who we are as, as a brand because we need to be able to kind of because at the moment, we're functioning on advertising revenue and yeah. support from the community, but to level up, we need to take on more responsibility, and sometimes it's absolutely terrifying. Yes, petrifying. But then having a partner to discuss it with and throw ideas around, and you know, he or she says, you know, it's going to be okay, we're going to do this, and getting that moral support, I think, is priceless. I really um, feel sorry for people who run businesses on their own. It must be a real struggle. But... Um, Where's the future for Deliciously Ella? What, where are you taking it next? Who
1: knows, honestly, like, because I never would have thought we'd taken it here.
0: Yeah.
1: But I don't know. I think the main thing is just, just continuing the conversation, like just continuing to inspire people in any way that we can, continuing to get people excited about it, continuing just to normalise it and to show people why it matters um, in the kind of most gentle, friendly way possible. Um, and I think the sky is kind of the limit. Like, I really, really think this is the future. I really do. Like, I think you see it a lot in the younger generations really changing their way of living and feeling like this is increasingly important. So it's, um, yeah, it feels like a really exciting space to be in.
0: And some of the products that you provide, do you want to tell us yeah. a little bit about what you have and where we can get it?
1: Yeah, so we wanted, again, just to make it available because, you know, there were we didn't feel there was so much kind of healthy plant-based options on the market when we were starting where like there are no additives, there are no flavorings, no processed ingredients at all. And that was, that's like the cornerstone of Delicious Yellow and we wanted to show that like, you can make everything with it. So we started off with snacking, so with energy balls, with oat bars, and we've got our breakfast cereal ranges with um, granolas and mueslis. And then we just launched um, frozen meals. And so we've got like a shepherd's pie with sweet potato and black beans. Um, spiced potato cakes, Thai curry, bean chilli, dal, and that's that's been really exciting to kind of put that in main fixture and be like, you can have this instead.
0: Mm. And I can vouch for it, it's delicious food. Thank you very much. <laughs> it stands up to its name. Um, coming to the end now, um, I always ask my guests this, you're on that mystical desert island with a okay. pig, you know, the vegan island. People are like, you're on that island with a pig. <laughs>
1: okay. No, but I'm, I'll take it. There's Is a, it there's,
0: this, there's, a, that, there's that joke where like, if you're on a desert island and you've got a pig, what would you eat if you're a vegan? Obviously you're a, ve- you're a vegan, you're a <gasps> plant-based, you wouldn't yeah. eat the pig. But if I gave you a, a music album, um, a vegan dish and a, a book. Those yeah. three things. It's all you had on this desert island with your pig friend. What would okay. you take
1: with you? What would I take? Okay. Um, so, favourite book ever is Any Human Heart. William Boyd. Really brilliant book. Just fiction, but just amazing. I would take that. Um, album. That's tricky. I think you'd have to take something classic, wouldn't you? Because you'd be listening to it a lot. Maybe James Taylor. Love his music. And then um gosh what could you eat every day thing is i want to kind of cheat in this answer and be like a mezzé platter with like different hummuses and baba and dips and things like that but i don't i feel like that's not one dish that's like 12 dishes which is why i'm angling for it probably do you know probably something simple because if you're going to have to have it every single day you probably don't want it to be like i probably go for pesto pasta mm-hmm. i love pesto pasta With peas, spinach, courgettes, toasted pine nuts. Yeah, I'll go pesto pasta. Sounds delicious. Good
0: choice. Thank you, Ella, for joining us on the PBN Podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, Yeah, I look forward to kind of watching your journey and seeing you expand your empire. It's wonderful. Oh,
1: thanks for having me. Yeah,
0: my pleasure thanks so much for listening i've been your host robbie Lockie, and this is the pbn podcast we'll be back next week with more vegan stuff fashion technology fitness health and everything else in between if you enjoyed this podcast please don't forget to rate us on spotify itunes and of course soundcloud leave comments like and share it'll really help get this message out to more people thanks for joining us i'll see you next time